0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome,
4: everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figs, here in Greeley, Colorado, as I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley here. So blessed to be with you once again on this Monday, the Monday after Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend. It's back to work for a lot of us and back to school and Pray that you're doing well, but I'd love to talk with you. I pray that you would consider calling in. You just heard that number, the call-in number. Or you can call in with your questions about the Bible or Christian living or what's our response to things around us. Or if you need prayer, uh, here to pray with you. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. So please grab one of those open lines. The hour goes by quickly. And I'd uh, love to be able to talk with you, encourage you. Take you to the Word of God. So, 303 690 3000 is the call in number. There's another way to be able to reach me with a question or a prayer request is through a dedicated text line. It is for texting only. 720 336 0897 is that text line number. 720 336 0897. And so, text me a question, a prayer request. And if we got time, we will go to the Text line as we're waiting for phone calls to come in or in between uh, the calls that are coming into the station. But love to talk with you. This is your show. This is the opportunity for you to be able to ask those questions that are on your heart or ask for prayer. So love to uh, just say hello to those of you who are listening live on Grace FM. Colorado, all along the Front Range, two different stations, 101.7 down in Colorado Springs, Fountain, Pueblo, and then 89.7, a powerful signal up here in northern Colorado from Parker, Castle Rock on up into southern Wyoming. Uh, Welcome. We got some snow coming in tonight. Uh, Be safe. It's going to get bitter cold. We are in the winter season here. And, uh, so just want you to take those precautions you need to. And in the morning, uh, just take your time and be careful as you're uh, headed to work or school, whatever the case may be. So, um, just praying that everybody is doing well. And, uh, I also trust that you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, most of you, I know that this can be a hard time for those who perhaps feel alone or going through difficulties and trials, not only Thanksgiving, but the Christmas season coming, and love to pray with you. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, the call-in number with your questions and prayer requests, text line 720-336-0897. Also, like to welcome all those who are listening by Radio by Grace throughout the country, uh, all along um, the southern part of the country and East Coast, Uh, It's evening time there on the East Coast. Love to hear from you guys. You're listening live today on the 28th of November. And then also, those of you who are listening online all throughout the country, uh, you are listening live. So give me a call at 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And then those of you who have been a part of our Calvary Live family that are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM and Higher Rock Radio, um, you too can give me a call. You're week delayed, but we'll have our conversation, and then you can listen to the program next week uh, at um, this time, and uh, you can uh, hear that broadcast uh, a week delayed. So three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the call in number. The text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We got all open lines right now. Love to talk with you, encourage you, pray with you. Uh, we have entered into the Christmas season. Um, this is a wonderful time of the year for Christians. Uh, we just got uh, through with Thanksgiving, uh, again, meeting with family and friends and um, it, it, perhaps e- just eating too much like maybe I did <laughs> over Thanksgiving. Um, but it, it is a wonderful time. But now we enter into the Christmas season and headed to the new year. And uh just want to be able to encourage you. Uh, during this time to remind you that uh, this is a time for us to truly be thankful and have goodwill and joy, uh, the peace, um, that those things that are talked about and expressed during the Christmas season, and it's found in Christ, and it's found in just knowing Him and loving Him and walking with Him, and just marveling that God so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So give me a call. I like what Galatians chapter 4, we're in Galatians on Sunday morning, and we read, as Paul writes, that when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then heir of God through Christ. We're sons and daughters of the living God, because in the fullness of time, he sent his son to die on the cross for us, and he rose from the grave. So give me a call. Phones are ringing. We're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. Let's go to Florida. Vanessa. Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Thanks for calling Calvary Live.
1: Hi. Thank you for taking my call.
4: You bet, absolutely.
1: Um, okay, my question is, I'm, I'm only asking about believers. Let's say they, they're they believers, and they happen to maybe do something, like maybe get into argument with a family member, or, I don't know, maybe commit some type of, do something that's not pleasing to God, and they happen to, like, maybe pass away too many after. Um, are they still, you know, I'm, I almost know the answer, but I'm just, and to be one hundred percent sure, will they still yeah. be forgiven? Will they still go to heaven? And also, a person who may maybe believer, but they have dementia and they don't know anything, and then you yeah. know, and they pass away.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And those are good questions because people have asked me, you know, what if I, uh, you know, I'm in my car and somebody, uh, you know, cuts me off and I get mad and I shake my fist and I say some words that I shouldn't and Get mm-hmm. mad, and then I get in Iraq and I die. Am, am I going to go to heaven? If you're a believer, you're going to go to heaven. All manner of sin is forgiven, as Jesus died for our sins, and we are forgiven, and we can know that um, that we have the promise of eternal life. And then that promise that is given to us in Second Corinthians chapter five that says, "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." Um, so you know if. If it's something that you know, uh, the, you know, you didn't confess, because sometimes people will say, "Well, you need to confess it to be forgiven." If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John writes in his epistle, and there have been those who have come along and said, "If you don't confess that sin," then you're not forgiven and you're going to go to hell, is what they'll say. Mm -hmm. Well, there's absolutely no way we can confess every sin. Can you confess every sin that you ever committed? And we're talking about, remember, Jesus set the standard. He said that you can say that you don't murder, but if you hate your brother without a cause, you've committed murder. You can say that you haven't committed adultery, but if you lust in your heart after another, then you've committed Mm -hmm. adultery. He's talking about the heart issue. Do we confess every single, you know, um, thing in our heart that we've ever committed? I don't think we can do that. So that verse there in 1 John is say we should confess our sins. And that word confession means to be in agreement with. I'm in agreement with you, Lord, that this is wrong and that this is sin, and I need to repent from it, and I know that I have your forgiveness. But, you know, if you do something— and, and you know, you shake your fist at somebody and then you die a short time later. You know, you're going to go to heaven if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We're washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. We're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And positionally, we are his. That's number one. The second question that you asked about, Vanessa, was about somebody with dementia. And, <laughs> you know, it's a very terrible disease. And I got a little bit of experience with it because my dad died of dementia 12 years ago. Uh, he was one that had severe dementia. He didn't talk for two years. Um, he was a believer. He went home to be with the Lord. Now we are dealing with my mom who has severe dementia. And oh, um, and she is um, almost 90 years old. It's been very, very difficult. And I just want to say, for those of you who are dealing with, you know, loved ones that have dementia, uh, it is hard. And she says things that we know it's the dementia, we know it's the disease, and she can say some very hard things, some very difficult things, express her anger towards us, um, and and it's very very hard to to visit. But you know what? She belongs to Jesus, and I don't understand everything, but she belongs to Him. It's the disease. You know, she she doesn't know that she's doing that, and so right. um, she belongs to Jesus. And I just want to give, I just want to give comfort to those because I know Vanessa, there are those. Maybe you're experiencing it in your own family, but I know mm-hmm. that there are many out there that are experiencing it with a mom, a dad, a uncle, uh, somebody that's elderly. That they have dementia, and it, mm-hmm. it as the disease progresses, it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And um, it's almost like you've already lost them. And and right. we've, it, we feel that way with mom. But you know what? We pray for God's compassion and mercy upon her, and mm-hmm. we just pray for peace. And, you know, there are those times um, where she will express to us that, you know, I've lived my life. I'm looking forward to seeing the Lord, and we know that she's in the hands of the Lord, and and no one's going to pluck her out, and that brings me just that security and comfort.
1: Yes, that comforts me, too. Thank you so much. I appreciate
4: it. You are welcome so much, Vanessa. I'm glad you found us. God bless you guys in Florida.
1: Thank you. Oh, I had one more question.
4: Sure.
1: Just a prayer prayer request for my two brothers. They haven't spoken to okay. each other since about 1998,
4: James and Timothy. James and Timothy? And so, yes. Father, we do pray for James and Timothy. Years, decades have gone by where they've been estranged. The the relationship has been severed. And, Lord, I pray that you bring healing somehow, that you would bring them together, that there be forgiveness, that there be restoring of that relationship, that, Lord, that they would come together with Lord, just you bring in that 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 just that process to where the relationship um, can be restored and to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And so, Lord, amen. I just pray for a miracle with these two brothers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings, Thank you Vanessa. So Thank you, you bet. All God right. bless you. Bye bye. 303 690 the call-in number. Jeff Figgs at Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado waiting for the snow to come in tonight in the bitter cold. Everybody, be careful out there. Make your preparations and be safe. Text line 720-336-0897. Got an open line. Let's go to Joanna in Denver. Hi, Joanna. Hello. How are you?
5: Fine, thank you.
4: Good. You're on Calvary Live.
5: Thank you. I have a question, and it's about um, Exodus 3, Exodus mm-hmm. chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and about um, Moses and the burning bush. Um, right. So during uh, my Bible study this morning, one of the questions was, um, so God's presence was in the bush, but what makes the, le- the I guess, land around the bush holy?
4: Well, just just the presence of the Lord. Um, it was kind of the same thing when Joshua in the book of Joshua, you read that that he uh, there was the Christophany of Jesus, and Joshua was told to take his sandals off, and, and uh, Moses is told, "Take your sandals off. This is this yeah. is holy ground." And um, and so it's it just speaks of the awesomeness of God, the holiness of God. The righteousness of god and and here is you know moses and same thing with joshua great men of god but you know here we are um as we uh come near to god uh you know we we uh there's that reverence that is there and that's what it's speaking of and um and it does remind me i'm so thankful uh, that we have a mediator Jesus Christ because you know what it reminds me of Joanna and I don't mean to get off topic and and I uh, was thinking about this um, and was mentioning it to it on our Sunday morning service that can you imagine what it'd be like to stand before a holy awesome God like Moses did mm-hmm. you know the burning bush the bush is is on, it's not on fire it's burning and to hear the voice of God uh, say that, you know, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. And Joshua, who would meet the, the um, you know, commander of the Lord's army there, um, the Christophanies, uh, the, uh, the visions of heaven and the throne. Someday we're going to stand before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, Joanna, I'm going to stand before the Lord who knows everything about me knows every thought I ever thought, every action I ever did. And I am so grateful that I'm not going to stand alone, that I have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's going to be there with me. And he's going to present as faultless before the Father with exceeding joy because of what he did. And so it's just speaking of the awesomeness of God, the holiness of God that Moses was there, in the you know, in the presence of the Lord an incredible, incredible thing uh, that is going on there in Exodus chapter 3.
5: Okay. So does our relationship with God, as we get closer to God and our relationship grow, um, is His holiness more evident? Or is, has His holiness always been there? Like, well, So is it the yeah. same amount of holiness from the beginning of the ship to... As
4: you know, as we grow closer to Him, well, He's always been holy. He's eternal, holy, righteous, uh, all powerful. Uh But as we draw closer to Him, I think we're aware of that holiness. We're aware of that righteousness more. Um, Uh You know, Paul comes along in the New Testament, and Paul says that that I'm a sinner. Then he says that I was the chiefest of sinners. And it wasn't that Paul had this deep, dark, secret sin. Paul was an incredible man um, Mm -hmm. that received revelation from Jesus, um, was uh, one that wrote a lot of the New Testament. But I think that the closer that you get to the Lord, the more that the light exposes how far short we come. It's kind of like I was uh, cleaning yeah. cleaning my office the other day and I dusted it and then I opened up the the drapes or the the blinds and you could see the dust you know the light just exposes more and the more that we draw closer to the Lord I think it brings humility to us it should and just yes. a, a awareness of how awesome and holy and righteous that he is. And that's what, you know, having a reverence for the Lord, to live in the fear of the Lord. Those are terms that we don't hear a lot in the church today, Uh okay. the fear of the Lord. And some people think the fear of the Lord is having this unhealthy, uh, you know, terror of the Lord, like God's, you know, leaning over the banister of heaven with the lightning bolts on his side, looking to zap you every time you get out of line. You know, no, it's like, we're someday going to stand before a righteous God. But You know, we're not going to stand alone. And that's why Jesus said to Philip in that upper room, remember, Philip said, show us the Father that it may suffice us. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, Mm -hmm. Philip, if you want to know what God is, the essence and nature of God, look at me, because he is the only begotten son, uh, you know, and he is the one that is the express image of the Father and um and so I'm so grateful that he's our mediator and our advocate and the savior of the world that died for you and for me that we can even approach God um only on that basis.
5: Yes, okay. All right? Okay, great, thank you.
4: Keep studying, Joanna. And then as you get through Exodus chapter three, you're gonna see Moses um is going to um you know, ask him, what is your name? And, of course, verse 6, he says, you know, I am the God of your father, you yeah. know, of of Abraham, God of Isaac. And he says that you tell them that I am has sent you as you go through the chapter there in verse 14. And you um, can compare that to the I am statements of Jesus there in John's gospel.
5: Okay. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you.
4: Thank you for calling. Appreciate it, Joanna. Mm-hmm. Okay, three three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the call in number, and then we have the text line. You can text in your questions or your prayer request um, at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let me see where I'm at. Let's see as I pull up the call screen. It just went away. There it is. Let's go to Juanita in Denver. Hi, Hi. Juanita. Hello. You're on Calvary Live.
6: Hi, I just have a question, uh, a Bible question, um, mm-hmm. and I was reading through Leviticus today, and I got to Leviticus twenty twelve, and it just talks about like a man sleeps with this person or that person, and it says it when a man sleeps with with the daughter, with with his daughter-in-law, he should, be, he should be put to death. And so I just right. Was thinking about um, is it Tamar and
4: uh, and Judah
6: and Judah? Yeah, what happened because I was reading through this and I realized that Leviticus is before all of these things took place, even with I think King David and and um, and his daughter and his son. That
4: mm-hmm. well, like, w- the ti- the timeline is, you know. Um, you have Abraham um, 2,000 years before Christ, and then you have um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons, one of them being Judah, and then Genesis, the story continues, and then you have that incident that you just described in the book of Genesis. And then it would be Moses that would bring the law at about 1,500 years before um, a, you know, uh, Christ, so 500 years, you know, they went into 400 years of slavery and all of that. So the law was given after that in the book of Genesis. But also we know that the law wasn't always applied because you can look at David that came later after Moses, and he committed adultery, and he also committed murder. And the law said that he was to be put to death. And and he was forgiven by the Lord as Nathan came to him and Mm -hmm. said that you have sinned, David, you've committed this sin, and David, you know, uh, was forgiven. But under the law, David committing adultery, he should have been, you know, according to the law, put to death as well, but he wasn't. Now, he would suffer consequences of it. He was never the king after that. You know, it happened when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, at the height of his power, um, you know his his popularity. He was very strong. He was subduing the nations around him, and then he ended up going through the difficulties. As Nathan said, "You're going to have problems in your family." And that's when Absalom came and tried to usurp the throne. He was never the king that he was before. Or after that, but I'll tell you one thing that he was he was a better psalmist because he would write those psalms out of the brokenness of his heart and just there's a big difference between David and Saul and I don't mean to get off track of of you know what you're asking about with Judah's uh daughter-in-law and and all of that but Saul it, it seemed like people will ask why why wasn't God you know harder on David because he was harsh on Saul Saul was one. He didn't commit murder. He tried to kill David. He tried to touch God's anointed. But it seemed like Saul did mostly what the Lord asked him to do. Um, But Saul just kind of, the Lord was very harsh on him. Here's the difference. David had a heart for the Lord. And Saul never wrote a psalm. Have you ever noticed that? Uh He never wrote a psalm to the Lord. And he didn't have that heart, I believe, to for the Lord like David, who was a man after God's own heart. And Saul was one that turned inwardly, and he wanted the attention himself. He wanted to be no, noticed. And when he came, and he didn't kill all the Amalekites, it was you know Samuel the prophet that came to him and said, you know, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And he had set up an image of himself in Carmel. He had turned inwardly, is what he had done. And, and so David, he was one that he received the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of the Lord. And then you go fast forward to John chapter 8, the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Remember that? Mm-hmm. The religious leaders throw her down, and they said the law says that she is bestowed. What do you say, teacher? And of course, he wrote on the ground, and then he said he was without sin, you cast the first stone, then they all left. And then he looked her right in the eyes. I mean, can you imagine she's standing there in her guilt, in her shame, looking into the eyes of God himself. And he says, who condemns you? She says, no one. And then he says, neither do I. And I think that's such an incredible story there because you see the law brings death. But Jesus Christ brings life and grace brings life that he brings to us through the cross at Calvary. And so, yeah, you know, they broke the law. And, you know, Genesis is very honest about the sons and daughters of Judah and same with David, what went on there. Um, But I'm so grateful that that we have um, a compassionate high priest, that we have forgiveness with him.
6: So the law is more to give an example of the seriousness of these sins.
4: Yeah, and I think you're right in that, because, you know, the sacrifices, the law. Matter of fact, in Galatians, it says that the the law was a guard. The law doesn't bring us life, okay? It's Jesus Christ's faith in him that brings us life. The law, there's a curse attached to it, because we all break the law. But the law also, Paul says, was a guard. It's the best way to live. God gives his standard. There's nothing wrong with the law. Always keep that in mind. The law is perfect, Psalm 19 says. The law is righteous, the Bible says. The problem is you and I, we can't keep the law. And that's why it's important when we give the gospel that we tell people we all break the law and we're all sentenced to death. And that's why Jesus came to give us life and die on that cross for our sins. And that's the gospel message. So there's nothing wrong with the law, but the law doesn't has never brought life. the The law brings a curse, and it it makes us it declares us guilty is what it was. And the purpose of the law is to show us that we need the Savior Jesus Christ.
6: Okay, and I just had one more question about Leviticus. I'm just curious because in Leviticus, it actually it actually. There's a prophecy that's saying that they're going to go into captivity. But I was just curious in the timeline, because it's such a big gap between Leviticus and and then the major prophets where they start prophesying about this captivity and being, you know, them taken to Babylon and all of that. And so I'm just curious as to what the timeline is.
4: Yeah, and that's a good question, because we also know that the book of Deuteronomy speaks about it and the curses and the blessing, because that was the law. It was a bilateral agreement that was brought down on from Mount Sinai that if you follow after me, then I'll bless you. But if you forsake me, then, then what's going to happen is you're going to go off into captivity. So we're going to go to break here, Juanita. It's just a okay. short break. You hear the music. And then after the break, um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to answer your question, because I think there is kind of an important timeline that is there That you're asking about. So 303-690-3000 is calling number. So we got a couple open lines. Grab one of those open lines as we go to break. We're going to be right back. We'll go back to Juanita and answer her question. Text line 720-336-0897.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
4: Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. You just heard those two numbers, how you can be a part of the program, the call-in number and the text line. So we got an open line, 303-690-3000, text line 720-336-0897. I'll introduce myself once again, Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you, usually with you on Mondays and Tuesdays on Calvary Live. I want to welcome everyone to today's program, the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend. We are headed towards the Christmas season, and I uh, just want to encourage you. It's a very important uh, time for for everyone, but particularly for us as Christians, to where we can be light and we can speak about the light of the world, and we'll be doing that uh, in the program here, but I do want to go back to Juanita, who was asking a question. You still there, Juanita?
5: Yeah.
4: Well, uh, just for sake in case anybody just uh, join us on Calvary Live, uh, we've been talking about uh, Judas um, and his sin with his daughter in law. Uh, we've been talking about the law, and then also as in and Juanita, I think it's great that you're reading the book of Leviticus because. There have been even pastors that have told me that we don't need to book, read the book of Leviticus and, um, that it's, you know, it's not relevant to us today. Um, but we need to always remember that all scripture is profitable, is God breathed, is, is inspired by God, um, and put to the page and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, um, correction for instruction in righteousness. And as you go to the New Testament, you see that Jesus, that he quoted from those books, Leviticus from Deuteronomy, uh, is quoted quite often in the whole of the New Testament. But the book of Leviticus shows us how we are to worship and serve and obey a holy God. It was written uh, with the responsibilities of the priests and the Levites and the sacrifices that they did. And then there's there's prophecy that was in there you were asking about, about the Babylonian uh, captivity. Now, the book of Leviticus was written during the time that they were in the wilderness wandering. Moses brought them out of Egypt. He brought them to the mountain of God, and there that they would receive the law of God, and then they began in the book of Leviticus Leviticus, to receive the ceremonial law as well, the responsibilities and roles of priests and Levites. They would eventually go into the promised land, but the Lord would make that, that bilateral agreement with them that if you follow me, This is your part, then I'll bless you. But if you forsake me, you're going to experience the curses and then you're going to go off into captivity. So we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, 1500 years before Jesus comes on the scene. So a a very simple timeline is that Abraham comes on the scene 2000 years before Jesus, Moses 1500 years, and then David comes a thousand years before Jesus. And after David, who was a man after God's own heart, his son Solomon comes to the throne. He builds the temple. The temple was completed in about 970 BC, and it was the greatest prosperity and power and peace that the nation ha- had ever seen. But then Solomon began to burn incense to his foreign wives and build altars, and idolatry was brought uh, into the land. And it was after the death of Solomon that the ten northern tribes rebelled against Rehoboam, and they went um, and broke off and became known as the House of Israel. So sometimes people get confused when they read the Old Testament. There's Israel that's spoken about, and then Judah. But the nation was split from that time to the time that in 720 B.C., the 10 northern tribes would go off into captivity by the Assyrians. Uh, that The kings, as you read about the kings of of Israel, 19 kings, every one of those kings were idol worshipers. The prophets came on the scene. You read about Elijah, Elisha, warning the kings, the other prophets that were in the land, as you read the minor prophets. And they said, turn away from your idol worship, and they refused to do it. So the Assyrians, who were the powerhouse of the day, they went and took the 10 northern tribes off into captivity, and they were brutal, the Assyrians. They put fish hooks in their mouths. They took them off into captivity. They came down. They settled the land, and as they settled the land, they entered, married with the Jews, and their offsprings would later on be called the Samaritans. So you read about the Samaritans in the Gospels, and the Jews and the Samaritans really hated each other. That's a lesson for another time. But that's all the history that is there. The house of Judah did a little bit better because they had some good kings. But they eventually, because of their idol worship, and particularly with Manasseh, who ruled for 55 years, the Lord said, because of the sins of Manasseh, you're going to go off into captivity. And they would go off into captivity in 605 B.C. So about a hundred. You no, 15 years after the Assyrian captivity of the 10 northern tribes, um, that the house of Judah went off into captivity. There's three waves of captivity or deportation, 605 BC. That's where Daniel was taken off into captivity. You have the book of Daniel. There in the Old Testament, given amazing prophecies, he would serve Nebuchadnezzar in the palace. Then in 597 BC, the second deportation was, uh, was taken, uh, place. And that's where Ezekiel was taken off into captivity. And then finally in 586 BC, the third time Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem, it had been the last king of Judah, Zedekiah, that rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says that's it. He comes in, and he levels Solomon's temple, a temple that had been there for 400 years, um, and he destroyed Jerusalem, and they would go into the 70 years of captivity. So that's a time frame that I just threw out at you of the Old Testament. Okay. Okay, and so you said
6: Abraham, 1,500, Moses, that.
4: Abraham's 2,000 years before Christ. Oh, okay. And then Moses, 1,500 years. And then David, 1,000 years. Okay. Okay. All right. Keep thank studying. you so much. You bet. God bless you, Anita. You too. 303 690 3000. Call in number. Give me a call. Love to be able to talk with you. 720 336 0897. Kind of a long answer. But, you know, that simple timeline helps me understand what's taking place in the Bible. And then they would come back from the captivity in, in about 536 B.C. after 70 years. And then you have the historical books of, of Esther, uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, those books that took place um, during that time. And then you have the silent years for 400 years uh, before Matthew uh, in Luke's gospel records how the Lord would come and speak that the Messiah was going to be born. Uh, as Mary was told that you're going to carry the Son of the Highest, uh, you know, the one who's going to sit on the throne forever. It absolutely is amazing. Let's go to Cynthia in Colorado. Cynthia, welcome to the program. Are you there? Okay, Cynthia. She wanted prayer for her son's doctor's appointment. So, Cynthia, we're going to go ahead and pray. Sorry you couldn't hold. And we're going to go ahead and do that and um, and pray for your son. The Lord knows what is going on. So, Lord, we pray for Cynthia. We just pray that um, for her son. We just pray that uh, for her doctor's appointment, uh, you know who he is, uh, why he's having a doctor's appointment, uh, we just lift him up to you and we just pray that you would administer uh, healing, that you administer wisdom uh, to Cynthia uh, as perhaps she has to make decisions for her son. We just pray that uh, you would just um, work on behalf of uh, this family, this mom and this son, um, and show yourself strong on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, that leaves us with all open lines. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. So I'd love for you to to give me a text while we're waiting for the the phone lines to ring once again. Uh there is a question, why do the genealogies of Jesus listed in Matthew 1 and in Luke 3 not match? And there is a reason for that is because that most Bible scholars take uh, the view that namely that Luke's recording Mary's genealogy and Matthew is recording Joseph, and Matthew is following the line of Joseph, Jesus' legal father, through David's son Solomon, while Luke is following the line of Mary, Jesus' blood relative, through David's son Nathan. And uh, so that's why there's a difference there. Uh, that you see. So again, Luke recording Mary's genealogy, Matthew recording Joseph's genealogy, um, and you see that genealogy is there. And then I believe it's it's in Luke that it goes clear back to Adam, I believe. Um, G- Matthew traces the genealogy from Jesus to Abraham, and Luke traces the genealogy from Jesus to Adam. So good question, good observation, Um And hopefully that that answers that for you. Um, And um, you always have opportunity to to ask your questions on the text line. We got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000. Call in number, Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you. Let's go to Charleston, South Carolina. Hi, Hmm. John.
3: Hey, how are you doing? Uh, that was an incredible timeline that you just uh, mentioned about Abraham and, and David and, uh, you know, the captivity and all. I was really enjoying that uh, kind of put the pieces together. But then you said yeah. that there was a 400 years of silence, and uh, that was when the minor prophets, you know, were writing. I just got kind of a question. I never really thought about it, but why did God go silent for 400 years? I know that's when the apocryphal writings were, but those apparently weren't inspired by God. But why did God go God go silent for 400 years?
4: Yeah, the, you know, from the time of Malachi, Malachi, the last book of the Bible, until you start the Gospels, were actually were. Um, Gabriel comes to Zacharias in the temple and says, hey, your son, John the Baptist, is going to be born. You know, there's that 400 years, the silent years. Now, it doesn't mean that God wasn't working, but there is no prophet in the land. We know that during that 400 years, that what was taking place is the Medo-Persian Empire was ruling over um, the land, um, and you have... Then the Greeks that Alexander the Great that was taking place. Daniel kind of speaks of that in the book of Daniel in Daniel chapter two and Daniel chapter seven. Um, Alexander the Great who conquered the known world in 12 years at the age of 33. He had conquered the known world. And then, uh, the Romans came in and the Romans took over and. Daniel talks about something, an event that took place in about 175 BC, this Syrian king that would come into Israel, come into Jerusalem, and his name was Antiochus Epiphanes. And he is called the little horn of chapter 8 of Daniel. And he's a picture of, he points to the future little horn of Daniel chapter 7, which is yet future. He's called the Antichrist. And Antiochus, comes in and Antiochus comes in and he he killed many Jews he tried to uh, get the the Jews to do away with their beliefs he tried to institute paganism he put a, a pagan uh, uh, idol in the Holy of Holies this is the second temple um, era, and he tried to make the priest drink pig's blood. And of course, pigs were considered unclean. He actually killed the pig and he smeared the blood all over the temple. So he desecrated the temple. And Antiochus Epiphanes was this brutal Syrian king spoken of in Daniel's prophecies. And then what happened was this guy uh, Judas Maccabee and his brothers, they led this revolt against Antiochus. And after a long struggle, about nine years to 164 B.C., uh, 11 years or uh, that time frame, then we see that Antiochus was driven out. Antiochus saw himself as a god. Antiochus Epiphanes, he was one that he saw himself to be worshipped. The Jews called him Antiochus Epinanius. Uh, which was a play on words, Antiochus the madman, and so he was driven out eventually and what happened, and I think you 'll find this interesting, John, is that they they relet the temple, um, they relet the menorah, and when they relet the menorah, it had seven bowls and it had oil in it, and they realized we didn 't make any more oil, holy oil, and it takes eight days to make holy oil. This is a bad sign the light's going to go out. But God worked a miracle to where the lights did not go out. They burned for eight days until a new batch of holy oil was able to, to fill up those bowls. And and they had rededicated the temple, cleaned it all up. And that's what they celebrate that's coming up here very soon. That's called Hanukkah. So Hanukkah is the, you know, the John's gospel, Jesus was there in Jerusalem at the Feast of Lights. So that's Hanukkah as they commemorated the driving out of Antiochus. The other thing, too, is that you remember when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that they were waving the palm branches. And in that, That's what happened with when they drove out Antiochus. They climbed the palm trees, they cut down the branches, they were waving it, and it was a symbol of political freedom of, you know, we've driven Antiochus out. Well, when Jesus drove, you know, rode in on that donkey, Matthew says that the whole city was moved. It was, that's where we get our word seismic. They had never seen anything like it. A huge multitude comes up. From the Jordan Valley following Jesus, a great multitude is coming out of the city. It's Passover, and they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're doing what? They're waving the palm branches. And they thought that the sky was going to open up and the angels were going to descend and that Rome was going to get theirs and that the kingdom of God was going to get ushered in at that moment. But when they saw... As the days passed that week that he wasn't going to do that, it's interesting that the crowds begin to cry out, "Crucify him, and we will not yeah. have this man rule over us So all that is connected together, but four hundred years, four hundred years, and that 's what you know makes the Christmas story so magnificent, you know uh, such an incredible story because the people were afraid and they hadn't heard from God for four hundred years, and all of a sudden. An angel comes to those shepherds out there in that field and says, "Behold, I give you good news, glad tidings that will be for not just for you guys, but for all people born unto you in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord." It's it's wonderful.
3: That's that is okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I got you. I got you. So God was still working in their lives, like you know, the miracle with the lamps. Still burning, uh, and and yeah. stuff like that. But he wasn't uh, speaking through the prophets. At the yeah, time. there was
4: no, there was no prophet in the land at that time. yeah Okay.
3: Well, thank you, thank you for sharing that.
4: You bet, absolutely. And thanks for calling, John. Appreciate it. Good, You're good welcome. question. All right. all right, all right. Let's go to Todd in Aurora. Todd, hey,
3: Pastor, uh, hey. this is Todd. I called in a couple of times. And I don't know if you remember, we were praying for Adley and then we don't have an update for Adley yet, but I want us to continue to have him in our prayers. That was the little boy that was in Pennsylvania and he had a brain tumor, but he went home and he was supposed to go back to the hospital for a spinal tap to see how, if any uh, cancer was aggressive in his body. Yeah. Did you other, say
4: he did? He didn't have the 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 surgery.
3: No. Did he have it? He, did.
4: he didn't. He did. Okay. He did have the
3: brain surgery. The brain tumor. He did
4: have it. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: And, then, and okay. then he went home. Then he was supposed to go back to the hospital, have the stitches removed, and then have the spinal tap uh, to see if there was how aggressive the um, cancer was in his in his body. But okay. I also called in for um, um, the mom uh, that uh, for uh, Brooke and Lane. Uh, little Brooke um, and little Lane was here in the children's hospital, and um, I called in, and he, they were both suffering from RSB uh, for uh, eighteen days, and in in, you know, including that them being in the mm. hospital. High- and they got to go home yesterday and they are all, they are um, cured. But yeah. little Brooke has little, he can't walk still. He's got pain in his feet. Okay. So, but anyway, the Lord has been answering our prayers for these little boys. And I just wanted to give you the, yeah. you know, listeners and you an update that the power Thank of you. prayer does work.
4: Yeah, thank you. And let's give thanks to the Lord. Lord, I I remember that uh, little Adley, you know, the brain tumor is very serious and serious surgery. And and Lord, I just pray that, that the surgery, you use that to bring healing to him. And that as he goes, gets the stitches and the spinal tap, and Lord, that they would get good news, miraculous news, that you would touch this boy in Pennsylvania. And and, Lord, that you would just minister healing to him. Uh, I, I thank you for th- this Brooklyn Lane that's gone home. There's been a lot of kids in the hospital with RSV. It's such a scary, scary thing. And, um, and Lord, um, we just pray that um, that they would heal completely. And I just also want to pray for those who maybe have little ones um, particularly with uh, flus or RSV and the the hospitals we're hearing the news reports are full and we just pray for healing. We pray for blessing. We pray f- that they would all be able to go home. We thank you for the medical teams that minister to them and Lord, we just lift them all up to you in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Todd. Appreciate Amen. the updates. God yes, bless and you. I'll
3: give, and I'll give an update. As soon as I hear something from Adley, I'll call in. And thank I you, everyone that. for your prayers.
4: You bet. Thank you. appreciate it. All right. Let's go to Debbie in Tennessee. Hello. Debbie, you're on Calvary Live.
2: Um, I just have two prayer requests. Okay. I have a dear friend who has had four stage four cancers. And she's still with us. Her name is Jan. She has been back to MD Anderson for some more tests. And they have, had, they have found um, some cancer in, a, in scar tissue. And mm-hmm. she's going to have to have surgery. Um, she's going to have to have her other breast removed. And I have a sister who had two daughters. And five or six years ago, her first one, her oldest one, committed suicide at 41. Mm. And just Mm. last month, her youngest daughter died of a massive heart attack at 41. And Mm. she is just, you know, that's even hard for me as a strong believer to get my head around um, yeah. Her name is Katie, and I just would like for prayer for Katie and for Janice.
4: Absolutely, and I'm so sorry for all the loss of Katie's loss, and to lose a child is so difficult, um, and at a young age, 41, both of them, and mm-hmm. um, and we certainly are going to pray for God's comfort. As Father, we pray, first of all, for Janice, with the surgery and the cancer. Lord, we just pray for healing. We just pray for, um, Lord, if surgery has to be done, that um, it would be used to bring healing. Uh, The process is difficult. Uh, The treatments are difficult. But, Lord, we pray for your healing hand upon this precious individual. And, Lord, we also pray for Katie. Lord, our hearts break as... We hear about the loss of two daughters, one to suicide, one to a heart attack. We first of all pray for Katie um, as she is grieving deeply for the loss of her daughters, that, Lord, that you bring the comfort that only you can give. And, Lord, that um, even as Paul would write that you are the God of all comfort who comforts us in, in all our tribulations. And Paul would write that When he said that we are pressed beyond measure, we were, you know, we were so pressed. It was so difficult. And Lord, that yet you're still the one that's able to bring the comfort that that Katie needs. Also for for Debbie, uh, for everyone involved. Um, I just pray that you would bring that and just um, may they perceive your presence. And when they're confronted with that, they don't understand. May they fall back on what they can't understand, and that is your love remains. And Lord, that you're with them, desiring to minister to them, because you are a man. Jesus is of sorrow and acquainted with grief. So Lord, we just lift up Katie to you, everyone here, Janice. We just pray that you would just work in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thank you so much, brother, and God bless you.
4: God bless you, Debbie. We'll be praying.
2: Thank you.
4: We're getting towards the end of the show and you know, I I'm so grateful for this program Calvary Live that people can call in and pray and and have prayer requests and you know, these are real life issues that people are dealing with in situations. And I just want to encourage you as Um, we are in the Christmas season, that it's a very special time, as I've said, for us as Christians, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, we were talking with John about the silent years, 400 years. And, you know, for 400 years, there hadn't been a prophet in the land. And the people were afraid. They were afraid of Caesar Augustus. They were afraid of Herod the Great, who, you know, was the terrible leader, brutal leader uh, they were afraid of the religious leaders, and all of a sudden, a light came into that place. And God, He He had remembered them, and and God was going to bring His Son in the fullness of time. And um, and you know, it's it's a wonderful, glorious, you know, account that I pray that we never get tired of. We never get tired of 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 the christmas story as jesus was born in that little tiny place on the edge of town of bethlehem and wrapped in swaddling clothes and put into a manger and then the announcement that came that the savior of the world has come and that you know we speak of joy and peace and goodwill during this time of the year but it only comes it only comes as we remember this that jesus christ came to this world and you know what? He sees you, and you may feel like it's silent years, but He's gonna fulfill His promises given to us, and we can have good tidings of great joy, because born to us is in the city of David two thousand years ago is the Savior who is Christ the Lord, and that we can also praise God and say glory to the highest and the high, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards man, and so. You have opportunity to be able to give that good news to others. And this is the time of the year. Be praying about how you might serve someone that that needs to hear truth, needs to know that Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come. This is opportunity for you to um, be a blessing to others. Invite someone to the Christmas Eve services that uh, you're going to be having here in in less than a month, and to be able to be a witness to them and to reach out to those who are hurting and, um, those who just need the comfort of the Lord. And I just want to remind us of that, um, that we can do that now. We can do that, uh, all year long, but especially during this Christmas season. Hey, had a great hour. So glad to be with you. I'll be back tomorrow at the same time. If you had a, uh, you weren't able to get on the air. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with Calvary Live. God bless you. Have a great evening.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.